Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond. Here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So we are here today with Lanre Akinlagen, who is the Managing Director and CEO at Drinks.ng. Uh, Lanre, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great to connect with someone who's actually winning in the e-commerce space in Africa because it's such, uh, I mean, due to many problems, it's such a tough space to be in. So I guess we'll, we'll definitely dive into that on this episode. But can we start this off with just hearing a little bit about the story of um, how Drinks.ng came to life? So, uh, back in my uh, earlier days, when I was still with Morocco TV, the founder then, Jason, was getting married, asked me to look after the drinks. And, I mean, coming from the UK, I, I accepted I accepted because it's easy, right? Just go to an off-license, buy drinks, order them, they'll deliver it. Came to Nigeria and, and just noticed from everybody, everybody had a guy who they call. And I, and I just was a bit gobsmacked at the, the lack of a visible brand or easy access to, to getting one of the most consumed commodities in Nigeria. And that was one of the first times I just thought, okay, this is a bit, it's a bit stressful, but it's also a bit of an opportunity. And uh, after I left and came back, and that was, uh, that was the vision to, to kind of harness and fill that void. When that happened, I saw that you, uh, you basically went out to the open markets in, in, in Nigeria to try to piece this whole thing together. Can you describe just like what what that experience is like for someone who doesn't know, like going to the open markets in, in Lagos, I, bl- I believe on Lagos Island, right, is where, is where you went. So, so yeah, so, so, so first of all, just a bit of context. So open air markets typically are the trend uh, across the whole of Africa. That's typically where most of the large scale volume of uh, commodities are bought and sold. They've traditionally been around for a long time. So modern trade is something that is only slowly gathering pace. But even from that point of view, modern trade is, you know, predominantly focused on retail goods as opposed to wholesale goods. So one of the strongholds of the open market still holds the fact that they focus on wholesale as well. Now, wholesale open air markets are, are generally placed in open places, um, some remote areas, uh, Lagos Island one and Trade Fair, probably some of the two not in such remote areas, but the, probably one of the more disorganized and probably very scary places to go to. I mean, right from the car park, you'll have area boys asking you, uh, for money for parking, uh, that's 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 not to take into consideration the amount of time it takes you to park there, if you can park there, if your car will be safe. Going into an open air market, I mean, it could be mid February raining like mad, or it could be really sunny hot. Regardless of the weather, you are outside. Whatever the weather is, is touching you, is touching your goods, is affecting you. You can imagine walking around muddy floors, or it's really sunny and it's sweaty, and your goods are, are even getting wet as well, and you know, you could go to an individual asking for products and it's one person dealing with so many people. It, it could take you, what, two hours just to buy 10, 20 products. And that person is getting products they don't have from different people. It's just a terrible experience. But it's what people are used to. People are moving away from the open market model because um, urbanization is making people value their time more. Um, and so people, people want to deliver to them. People want convenience. People want transparency. People want originality of the products as well. So those are a lot of the voids that we kind of fill compared to the open market. And we still bring them that wholesale experience as well. Right. But it seems like a lot of your success is because you found a specific niche that there is certainly a, 
uh, a high demand for in Nigeria, especially in the upper um, the upper echelons of of, of the uh, the socioeconomic part of the market. Where do you think we're at with like mass market, broad scale e-commerce? So, I mean, Jumia IPO'd in the U.S. It was a I, I think a good moment for international perce- perception of startups in Africa. But I mean, do you, do you think there's still a long way to go when it comes to mass market as opposed to you know, f- finding your niches within the e-commerce sector? To a degree, yes and no. I mean, I'll, I'll start from the beginning where you ask. So first of all, our alcohol is, is a niche or, or beverage generally, sorry. Beverages is, is a niche that we did pick because of the large scale consumption, because of the weddings, because of the clubs, because of the general consumption. Um, secondly, we really did want to go for, because of the instability of the continent, we really did want to go for a product that, wasn't affected by the economical landscape, as you put it. Both people within the middle class, the upper class and the lower class like to have a good time. They also have sorrowful times. They also have times of, you know, times of joy, times of peace, times of war, whatever the time may be, whatever the occasion, alcohol is something or beverages is something that is needed. You need to drink water, you need juices, you need alcohol. All these things always needed, regardless of the size of your pocket, regardless of the time of year, regardless of the, 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 the you know the conditions of the economy. It, it's probably not one of the first things that come off your list when you're trying to budget. Um, for us, we also found that Jumia's IPO was really great, but we also found that a lot of people were using e-commerce to sell the wrong type of products to the wrong type of people. Um, in Europe, uh, people are time poor, cash rich. Um, so, you know, ordering things uh, online is a convenience for them. Um, if it gets delivered to them, it can be given to their neighbor. They don't have the time to buy. So that's a convenience. Africa, people are time rich and, and cash poor. Um, and even if they're not cash poor, they're, they're very much, you know, orientated to get a cheaper price or a discount. And these people still patronize the open market. I think one of the mistakes why we're, we're, we're successful is we focused, one, on wholesale pricing. We took on the open market directly and went for that volume, whereas a lot of the other guys were selling the convenience. And the, the convenience is to a limited market share. People are still conscious of price. And, and the problem is Nigeria is so fragmented and there's so many middlemen, regardless of anything that you do, that you're never far away from somebody that can get you that product that you want at that price because they would just send somebody to send somebody else to get to the open market and it can get back to you. As long as you get the price you want, generally people don't care where it comes from. Um, and that's why we mainly focused on, look, this is where the market share is. This is what it take, takes to attack that market share. Let's go for that. And that's what we've done. Right. And I saw in the article that you, you talked about how you started off with cash on delivery, but slowly started to kind of pivot away from that. What do you, because I know Jumia, Jumia and Conga, I believe, both offer cash on delivery. Uh, so why, why did you decide to pivot away from that model? We all have different routes to market. We all have different focuses and we all, we all have a, a different address to market. Jumia obviously have bags full of money. They're being, they're being backed by Rocket Internet Group. Their strategy was to grow as fast as possible at, by any means necessary. Um, which has worked for them, but obviously you need a, you need a ton of cash for that. Um, now, Conga, have you noticed, the minute they realized that they had to re-strategize and focus on being a profitable organization for whatever reasons that they had, one of the first things they pulled after the restructuring of the company and its staff was cash on delivery 
Because generally anybody that's in this business know that cash on delivery is not a good idea. It's, it, it may, I mean, you may grow eyeballs, you may grow orders, but you also have a large number of return orders. Our product, we aggressively removed cash on delivery. It wasn't, it wasn't even gradual, it was very aggressive. And to be quite honest with you, this was four years ago. Our business has still flourished because at the end of the day, our brand is built on trust in terms of the product. People know us and they know the products is original. And a bottle of Hennessy is a bottle of Hennessy. A bottle of Jameson is a bottle of Jameson. A bottle of Coke is a bottle of Coke. Wherever you get it from, it's the same product. The only thing you're battling and comparing yourself with other people is the originality of the drinks. And if we've sold that message and we've communicated, sorry, communicated that message well enough to people, which that is the case, then there's no reason why we should do cash on delivery. The reliability is in the delivery. The reliability is in the product. And, we, and we've got to that stage where we can offer that. So we wanted to make sure that when we're quoting our numbers, our numbers are 100% true. They are delivered. Not, not orders, they are delivered. And that's why we moved towards that because we wanted to build a sustainable and a, a very fast-paced actual growth business, which we've done. Right. And, and I think that's fantastic and maybe is a... Symbol of a of a larger a larger advantage that local startups in Africa has. You're right that Jumia is was certainly um, privileged in the amount of cash that they were able to burn through as as a result of being backed by Rocket Internet. Versus you know a local startup like yourself that understands the market. You know you have to be more you you were more, more conservative, which was more reflective of the reality in the local market. Beyond the one percent of of Nigeria that it seems like would be a, a big consumer of, of this particular service and offering. Uh, you know, we, we had discussed before about when Victor Asimota kind of put up the tweet storm about Nigeria's maybe, we'll say, three different markets. There's the, the, the top 1%, those, there's the middle market, and then there's the lower part of the market. And the challenge in Nigeria is the fact that the middle piece of the market is very, uh, it, it's not homogeneous. Like, it's very fragmented across cultures, tribes, different makeups of, of people. So, I mean, how do you view your your expansion and, and your marketing strategy beyond that kind of uh, top 1% of the market, which is, I mean, certainly a big a big spender of, of, what, of what you're offering? So, uh, Vic is absolutely right. You know, very smart guy. He's been in the game for a long time, and he's absolutely right in terms of how he has uh, given the prospects of what the market actually is. However, for us, Ours, our strategy is based on time as opposed to segment. The early days, we focus on that 1%. That 1% by high-valued goods, which gives us larger basket size, which gives us greater revenue. That 1% is now being attacked a lot more aggressively, and we're growing aggressively in that market. However, we're also here for the, for the, the 99%, so to speak, because I don't really believe that middle class really exists in such a large volume that, that makes that market significant enough. It's growing, but I don't think it's big enough. To, to even warrant mentioning or, or focusing a, a, a second-tier strategy on, in my opinion. The 99% that is left for me, look, it's about focusing on them with the products that they want to buy. Anyone will tell you, if you go to a bar in Lecky, you will find 20 people buying, maybe five people buying bottles of XO, six, uh, uh, 10 people buying bottles of VSOP, and another five bottles of people buying, number five people, sorry, buying bottles of Hennessy, BS, and maybe a combination of some beer. You go to a lower class market in a bar, you'll find an average of more of 100 people, of which 90 of them are probably drinking beer, and maybe the other 10 are a combination of Red Label and maybe Jameson and Hennessy, BS. The point is, 
the market is this is almost the same in the sense that we're a volume driven business value brings us more revenue but that value is still um income you know drawn into the volume business strategy that we're after so we're after serving as many people as possible but the target marketing based on the different channels is just based on the type of product but we're still after that that larger market share which is of everybody that drinks alcohol drinks beverages sorry right and i mean so when it comes to international expansion i i know you just returned from a trip to kenya what markets outside of Nigeria do you view as, as the most similar to the, the customer base that you're serving right now? So uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I would say I haven't really come across a market in Africa that's like Nigeria in terms of the one percenters. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen the level of consumption in Nigeria anywhere else. I think maybe, maybe, just maybe the closest that could come to it might be Congo. Um, but anywhere else, no, no one buys and consumes like like the Nigerian market does. However, the general populace, I would say good markets or interesting markets for us are, are places like Kenya, who have a large amount of expatriates who buy regularly, maybe not high consumption on individual purchases, but definitely regularly. I would say some other West African nations um, in terms of wine-focused beverage and beer. I mean, across the whole continent, beer consumption is very, very high. Uh, you would see the, the, the investment from Sab Miller, or, or, or sorry, AB InBev now. They're significantly investing in the whole continent because they can see the volumes across the continent. And like I say, we're, we're a business across the board um, in terms of beverages. Water consumption is huge across the whole continent in various markets, uh, places like Ivory Coast, Cameroon. Kenya again, even Tunisia, um, and to, yeah, Tunisia, and even in places like uh, Tanzania. There's a lot of uh, a lot of the northern countries as well in terms of uh, sweet beverages as well, so soft drinks. So for different product categories, there are different markets that are of interest to us. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever one we look at it, from a, a large scale consumption of alcohol, the way uh, Nigerians do it once, the only place that maybe even slightly closer is probably South Africa. And, and it's more widespread across that whole nation. I mean, I guess I would say fortunately in that, I mean, Lagos alone is a big enough market that'll probably keep you busy for a while. I mean, is it, I believe Lagos has a, ju- just the city has a, has a larger population than a lot of African countries. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, if it's not, it, it's larger than a, a, a good number of nations in Africa, but it, even if it's not that number, it is, I mean, Lagos alone is probably, 50% the number of most countries. I mean, Kenya's 49 million as a country. Lagos, it, on its own, unofficially is 21 million. And the last population census was done in 2010. And this is now 2019. So unofficially then it was like 20 million. I mean, what is it, what is it now? Probably like 22, 24, 25, 26 million maybe. And there's a lot of countries like that. I definitely know for sure there's no, there's no capital close to those numbers on this continent. Right. So as a business serving that, that 1% of the market in Nigeria, I mean, is that you're primarily going to be established in Lagos and Abuja? Are, the, are those the two main cities that, that that market needs to get serviced in? No. So again, I'll I, I, I mention it again. We're not focused on the one percenters. We're focused on, on all, all, all segments of people because everybody uh, is a, a potential customer to us. It's the product that makes them different. Um, and we are, we, we're already in six states already. We're in six states now. Um, so we're definitely expanding across more states. We're already in a lot of them. And the one percenters are, are only mainly in Lagos and Abuja. Those two alone aren't sustainable enough to grow a huge business, and which is what we've grown now already. 
and we're still growing that. So definitely let's not write off the rest of the market because like I say, you could sell six cartons of XO to a 1% of Lagos, but you could sell 50 cartons of uh, Gordon's Gin to somebody in Ogun State, of which it costs you less to address that market, less to market to that state as well. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, Lanry, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round. Uh, four questions up to 60 seconds per answer. Sound good? Awesome. Let's go for it. So, first off, what is your favorite book? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be about business, but your favorite book uh, about Africa, whether it's doing business on the conference, on the continent, a history book, or, or whatever it may be. Uh, I recently read a book, I can't remember the author, but it's called Africa's Open for Business. It's, it's a great detailed book about the different countries across Africa, what their resources are, what their potential is, what they can do and provide. And it really opens your mind to understand that Africa as a continent can sustain itself and others if they just got their acts together. And it literally goes from country to country. I think Nigeria, Congo were the only two countries that had more than one chapter on the resources that they have and what they could address and problems they could solve for the rest of the continent and Ethiopia as well, actually. That, that's a great book I really advise everybody to read. It, it really tells you what the potential of Africa is in terms of not extracting resources for wealth, but keeping these resources here, giving them to the African um, consumers and using them to, to fuel wealth in Africa and solve problems in Africa. So then, right, if, if I called you up, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm in Lagos for ju- just tonight. I got to fly out in the morning. Uh, but I want to do something that uh, I want to do something fun. I want to go out in Lagos. Where would you recommend that I go? First place, my house. Let's go for a re up there first. I've got everything we need. That'd be the first place. And then obviously, you know, you know, Lagos, we party differently. There is no one spot. If you go out in Lagos, you go out to four or five different spots at night. It's a completely different culture. Uh, but where I would definitely start off and uh, is is Buzzbar. Buzz Bar is probably one of the most, uh, no pun intended, buzzing places um, in Lagos right now. It gives you a mixture of different crowds, a mixture of different sort of uh, music. Um, but it's, it's, just, it's just one of the most hype, hip places right now to be in Lagos. What is your favorite vacation spot on the African continent? Outside of Nigeria, outside of Nigeria. Is where my retirement home will be, Cape Town. Mm. I, I, I haven't visited, I've only been to like 12 different countries so far on the continent. I love them all, but so far I'm struggling to find anywhere better than Cape Town. But I know there's still a lot more beautiful places to go to. Nairobi I love as well, but uh, but Cape Town's just it's out of this world. And finally, what is your favorite thing about living in Lagos? Endless opportunities every day, endless challenges, uh, endless lessons. Lagos is a constant hustle. Sometimes you want to rip your hair out. Sometimes you're grateful to be, be able to feel alive you know from the minute you wake up that that day is not going to be the same as yesterday. Uh, and, and it's just guaranteed every single day. Something will always happen. Something will always either make you wake up and be more alert or make you just cry and feel like leaving. But either way, Lagos will always make sure your blood is flowing through your veins. And you'll be aware of that through the daily challenges. Awesome. Well, Lanre Akalagan, the CEO Managing Director at Drinks.ng, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Hope to see you back in Lagos soon. Like I said, you know where to, you know where to start. Just come to my house and we get it, we get it popping. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at Andberg. 
That's A-N-D-B-E-R-K. To see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 